0: Thank you for joining us today. At Res Life, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome again. Happy New Year. How many of you guys made a New Year's resolution? The rest of you guys have given up on New Year's resolutions. <laughs> All right, so Pastor Duane, he actually made one for 2019 to ride 5,000 miles on his bicycle outside. And so he, was, he, he accomplished that, um, courtesy of a little bit of good weather. So I think he had to ride a little bit into December to, to hit his 5,000 miles. He decided to get a jump start on doing it again this next year. And he went biking on Friday, uh, did a 22 mile ride. Roads were fairly nice because they salted them. But as he was racing back home, the driveway was not salted. And yeah, he hit the ice and flipped his bike out. And landed down and cracked his hip. They screwed it together yesterday, and he'll be heading home from the hospital today. Um, but uh, that means he can't be here this morning. Um, and this abnormal thing of him watching online. So we're going to try to welcome him. Can you guys all welcome Pastor Dwayne from online? So yeah, he he watched. He got a kick out of it. He was watching the first service as well. Um, But so he he's doing well, blowing them away. But I wanted to introduce myself. Most of you guys have seen me. I've been around for forever. So if you've been around at Res for very long, you've seen me in some capacity. But I want to introduce my family. Can you put up that picture? This is my family. Not not all of you have gotten to meet and know my family. (laughs) Have an amazing wife and four kids: um, eight, seven, four, and two. So life is not boring. Life is full of everything at this stage of the game, uh, but it's, it's a lot of fun, um, and I discovered something weird about me. Uh, I have a confession. Um, I'm, I'm nosy. Um, this is just, just part of me, and I, I like people a lot, and with that, sometimes eavesdropping happens. How many of you guys ever eavesdrop? Okay. The rest of you are just too ashamed to admit it. But, but this is a thing in life. It just happens. And like, I got an office, and there's other people who have offices that surround my office. And sometimes you'll be trying to work, and all of a sudden you're like, there's conversation out there. And you try to ignore them. Um, and like, to be honest, I normally shut my door, and I play music. Not because I really care about the music, but because it keeps me from listening to what's happening outside of my office. And, and I can kind of like ignore them a bit. Unless they say my name, like and then this is just a thing. This is like human nature. You ignore people all the time, and there's all this noise that you're hearing, and then all of a sudden, someone says your name, and you're like, huh? "What? What? What was that? What are they saying?" And like, you you like come alive and you enter a conversation. You can be at a restaurant and you're like sitting there engaged in this, and then somebody three tables over either says your name or brings up a topic that you're like. Passionate about, and all of a sudden you're like, "Huh? What was that?" And you somehow all of this chatter went from being like Charlie Brown wah, 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 to like a clear conversation three tables away. You're like ignoring all of this other chatter that's happening, and you're like zoned in. Maybe that's just me. Okay, but but it's it's a human thing that you hear a lot of sounds, but hearing it. And hearing it and, like, listening to it are different. And when we tune in, all of a sudden we're able to hear something that we couldn't hear before. Um, But I also have this confession. How many of you guys have ever heard or had someone ask you, are you listening? The rest of you either weren't listening to me or are really lazy and couldn't lift the arm. But there's this thing, and I, I have to confess um, this is actually a point of frustration occasionally for my wife, um, because there's times where we're having a conversation, except I don't know that we're having a conversation. <laughs> and when it comes out that we're having a conversation, because I did not answer the question or did not respond properly, and she says, are you listening? And I respond with, to what? <laughs> <laughs> I get in trouble. Um, but in fairness, I have to defend myself and say, this frequently happens when she's in a different room. And so I am in the kitchen, and she is in the living room, and we're having a conversation that I am unaware of. And I'm assuming that she's talking to the kids, and the kids are doing something, and they're talking, and, and then she's like, so what do you think? I'm like, about what? Were you not listening to me? I was, I was supposed to be listening to you. It happens when I'm in the other room happens a lot when I'm, I have earbuds in. If you've got, like, earbuds in, you're listening to the Bible, listening to a sermon, listening to something, and she's, she's talking, and she's like, are you listening? I'm like, no, no, I was not. I was listening to a to message. Um, or when I'm doing dishes. When I'm doing dishes, and the water is running right in front of me, and there's, like, clanking of dishes and water running, if you're not, like, right here, you're not, you don't count. Like, <laughs> your, your words are not catching it. And I get in trouble there, but I get in trouble the most when I'm in the other room with earbuds on doing the dishes. But it's this thing that sometimes someone is speaking, but just because they're speaking doesn't mean you're hearing. Just because you have ears doesn't mean you're hearing. It doesn't mean that you're listening. It doesn't mean the fact that your ears work well doesn't mean you're hearing. And this is this thing, because our world has so much noise. Our world is so busy. It's so connected that it becomes disconnected. It's this weird fascination. Um, Most of you guys are familiar with Facebook. If you don't have a Facebook, you at least have heard of Facebook. And if you haven't, welcome from underneath the rock. Um, But... Facebook is huge and it tells you that you've got all of these friends I got on there just to check and it was like you have like 1900 friends and I look at them and I'm like I don't know who some of them are <laughs> like it says that we're so connected but it says I'm so connected to so many people that I couldn't be connected to that I become disconnected from those that I'm supposed to be connected to and you sit here and I talk to people and they're like you know what like this is going on, and I'm like, oh man, that's news! Congratulations on that! And they're like, how did you not know? I'm like, how was I supposed to know? And they're like, I put it on Facebook. I'm like, how is that supposed to help? I'm like, there's 1,900 people in my feed. They're like, I can't. Like, I'm not going to get on there. It's not going to show me everything that everybody does. Because if I try to tune into everything, I accidentally tune out from a lot of things. Just because I have ears doesn't mean I'm I'm hearing. And if I'm not careful, all of these voices become overwhelming, and I don't realize which voices I'm actually hearing anymore. And I looked at this. This isn't a new problem. Facebook may have helped us get a little bit more connected and disconnected at the same time, but this, this large amount of voices that are trying to speak into your life, that are trying to fill your heart, that are trying to direct your decisions, is an, is an old thing. In fact, I go in my Bible all the way back into to Luke, and it's talking about Pilate. And Pilate has voices that are going on. See, one day, they bring Jesus before Pilate, and they say, we need to crucify this man. And he says, why? And he's like, I'll, 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 I'm a judge. I'll, I'll, like, I'll examine him. And so he begins to examine him. And in, so we're in Luke 23, verse 4, he says, I find no fault in him. And then again, in verse 14, he says, I find no fault in him. And through this whole thing, we, in one of the other Gospels it records, that his wife sends him a message and says, don't have anything to do with this righteous man. And he has this voice, and he has the, his own judgment that said, this man is innocent. But in verse 23, he says, I have no, found no guilt in him deserving death. Or sorry, that's verse 22. Then verse 23, it says, um, But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. And I'm listening to this. I'm like, you had, you declared him innocent. Your wife told you to leave him alone. But there were these other voices. And there's these voices. And he chose the wrong voices to listen to. And there's, there's this thing where all of us are hearing, there's, there's so many voices that are trying to speak into our life. There's so many voices that are speaking into our heart and the voices that fill your heart, direct your life. Um, in John 13, there's a, a strange verse. It's not a verse you hear preached very often. And I remember reading it and just thinking, this is weird and then I read it, and I was like, I think this has happened to me. And then I thought about it, and I said, I would bet this has happened to you. But it may not seem like it at first, but just track with me a second. Uh, John 13, 2, it says, During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, him being Jesus. Let's, let's pause here a second. When I was a kid, I read this verse, and it says that, that the devil had already put it into his heart. I thought, like as a kid, that this was like a hostile takeover. Like Judas was there, and like the devil came up and was like, pardon me, incoming, and like stepped inside, like, gotcha. I'm like, I got control. Like I'm at, I'm at the wheel, and you don't have control anymore, and I'm going to direct this, and I'm going to do what I want to Jesus. And I literally pictured this, this hostile takeover where the devil was in control but when I read the verse, that's not what the verse says. It was what my little mind tried to, to wrap around, but it says the devil had already put into the heart of Judas. When, in, in the Gospels, it records a story of Jesus setting a man free who had thousands of demons. The, the demons said that there was a legion, which is just over 6,000, between six and 7,000, but um, the devil's a liar and the father of lies. So I don't know if I want to trust the fact that it was a full legion, but they, they took 2,000 pigs over the edge. So you figure there's thousands. And when they all wanted to run from Jesus, the man ran to Jesus. So it wasn't a hostile, lose control takeover. So I'm looking at this, I'm like, so so what, what does it look like when he fills his heart? Because if this isn't a hostile takeover that happened once in all of time in order to to. To try to crucify Jesus, then there's the possibility that it still happens today. And if it still happens today, then I want to know what it looks like. It's because I begin to look and discover that filling your heart is different than taking you over. Um, Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 verse 3 they, they, they saw somebody else sell their land and give it to the apostles and lay it before their feet and say, here, here's all the money from the land that we sold. Use it to help people that need help. And they saw them and they're like, dude, that guy's amazing. And everyone looked at that guy and everyone was like, oh, that was awesome. That was generous. And they're like, I want everyone to look at me like that. So Ananias and Sapphira, they, they sold some land. And instead of taking and saying, we're gonna give away this large amount of the proceeds. We're going to take half the money. We're going to give it to the church so that they can be a blessing. They took the money. They took what they wanted. They took the leftover and they said, look, we sold the land and we're giving it all to the church. And they lied. And Peter's response was this. He goes, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Why, in verse 4, why is it that you have con- contrived this deed in your heart? And this is where it began to look and go. His filling of the heart was the putting in in a thought. It was the putting in an idea. It wasn't a hostile takeover, but it was a thought that he began to meditate on that began to fill his heart. And out of the abundance of the heart flow the issues of life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And it began to direct them. Jesus... Was it was with his disciples in Matthew chapter sixteen, and he begins to tell them that he's going to go to Jerusalem and that they're going to betray, that he's going to be betrayed, that he's going to um, be crucified, and that he's going to rise again. and And Peter looks at Jesus and's like, "Dude, that can't happen! Like, he's supposed to be the Messiah. He's the Redeemer. He can't die." And so he rebukes Jesus, which is really gutsy to to rebuke. Je- Anyways, like he goes and he rebukes Jesus, and Jesus turns to him and says, "Get behind me, Satan!" And you're like, "Whoa." Um, get behind me Satan! you're a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And he sits here, and he says, he calls it out as Satan, who has filled his heart, who has given him a thought that has put his eyes on the things of man and on his own agenda that was derailing him from what God was doing and what God wanted to do. And I, and I begin to look and say, the Bible tells us to take every thought captive. Most of us let our thoughts go wild. We try to control our actions, and we ignore our thoughts. And he says that we're supposed to take thoughts captive and to make them obedient um, to Christ. And I began to look at this, and I'm like, is this just a biblical thing? But I discovered that people who don't love Jesus, people who don't believe in Jesus— they know that your thoughts are important. In fact, in the United States alone, they spent almost $240 billion last year trying to give you thoughts. The advertising industry in the U.S., I think the one study was uh, $238 billion spent last year. Because they say, if I can give you a thought... And that thought will grow, that thought will produce action. Their goal is that your action produces money in their pocket. Whether that's because you bought their cereal, their phone, because you took their vacation, whatever it is that they're trying to sell you, they are pitching a thought and going, if I can get you this thought, if I can get you thinking this, if I can get you to meditate on this, it's going to overflow in action. And if it overflows in action, this is the direction of your life. Pastor DeWayne has said more times than I can count. Your life will go in the direction of your dominant thoughts. Um, can you put up that picture? This is a conveyor belt. Um, and it's conveying something. Yep, I think it's on this one some wood cylinder coins things. I don't know why. But here's the, here's the point. There is a conveyor belt of your life. And most of us, the, the conveyor that's producing our actions We stand at the end of it trying to monitor what's coming off of it. And we're sitting here going, why are all of these things coming here? I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this. Why is this coming down my conveyor belt? And we're trying to dictate what comes off of our conveyor belt at the very end where the actions are coming out rather than trying to control what comes off the end by what gets put on it. And if we control what's being put on, we control what's being tuned into, if we control the voices that are speaking into our heart, what's overflowing, it will produce change in the action. But many times, we're letting our thoughts go, not realizing that when we let our thoughts go, we give place to the devil. Um, Everything that we see and hear creates thoughts. The things that we think about become meditation. The meditation produces desires, and the desires produce action. The, the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not give the devil a foothold. I have a confession or story with my sin. Um, so, a few years back, I say for you, over a decade, but it's been a while. So, um, my grandma was at our house, and uh, she said some things that weren't right, and they were wrong, and they vexed me. Um, And I was really upset, but I was torn up inside. And I had this, like, thing where, on the one hand, I was really angry, I was really upset, and I wanted to respond. I wanted to rip into her. On the other hand, she's my grandma. She's my elder. I'm supposed to respect her. And so, like, there's this, like, war happening inside me. On the outside, it's like, and on the inside, it's like, rip into her. No, she's your elder. And there's, like, this, like, whole battle, like, going on inside. And, and as it goes on, I stood there silently, um, but very, very frustrated. But in this process, I gave place to the devil in my thoughts. Now, I don't know how many of you guys have had pre-arguments and post-arguments in your head. Um, you're getting ready to have a conversation, and you're all, like, going through, this is what I'm going to say, this is what I'm going to tell them, I'm going to let them know, and, like, you're ripping into it, or you have that conversation and it doesn't go the way you want it and you leave and in your head you're going back going why didn't I say I should have said next time I'm gonna and like okay maybe that's just me I'm weird okay but but I, I was I was doing this and and so I'm standing there and I'm like I, I should do I not and then by the time I'm like I really want to tell her this this and this is where she's wrong and and like I can do that with the best of them I grew up the Bible is not new to me, so it's not even just, like, I can tear into her. I'm like, she's wrong. Verse here, verse here, verse here. I'm like, I can lay into her. And, but it was already, like, a little bit late, and you're like, oh, do I go back? And, and what happened in my head, instead of properly, lovingly dealing with the situation, I held on to it and had a, I'm loaded for next time. But by golly, next time she says something, I'm going to let her have it. I'm going to unload both barrels and it's all loaded. And like, (laughs) I was ready. And I didn't realize what I was doing until it began to rot inside of me. The Bible says not to let a root of offense, uh, not to let offense take root in you, that it would spring up and defile many. And my mom noticed that something was off. And she's like, and I don't remember how she brought it up. I think she was able to pinpoint that it wasn't just something somewhere, but there was something off in between myself and Grandma. And she called me out on it. She's like, "What's going on?" And I'm like, "Let me tell you." Yeah. <laughs> and I was like unloading on on Grandma and what she said and how it was wrong and what the Bible. And I, I was just like ready to rip into her, and it was ready to just overflow because I had filled up on this wrong thoughts. The Bible says that's a foothold for the devil. And my mom just looked at me and she's like, you need to forgive. And I'm all like, oh. You just deflated my gun. Like, I was loaded and ready to let her have it. But the Bible does say I need to forgive. Like, how am I supposed to nail her with the Bible if I'm the one to Anyways, And it was this thing where sometimes we don't realize that we're trying to control some actions, but we let this thought go and this thought then produces and it begins to fill our heart and our heart begins to direct our steps and direct our life because you go in the direction of your dominant thought. And this comes up where people are struggling and they're struggling with an addiction. They're like, how come I can't get free? I don't even want to do this thing anymore. How is it that we keep having the same problem here and how is it that we keep coming into this? Because they're trying to change the action at the end of the conveyor belt, but they're not changing what they're putting on the conveyor belt. And they're wondering why the actions keep coming out at the same time, even though it's not the action that they want. But when we, we let these things go and we let in bitter, lustful, greedy, selfish thinking and voices fill our heart, that's what they produce in our life. Jesus said, for out of the heart, proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. This is this, this thing in, in Chronicles it records the different kings of Israel. And one of the, the things that it does, either in the beginning or the end of their reign, it'll give you, like, their report card. And it says, this king was good. This king was evil. And it just kind of, like, lays it out. Well, 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14 is Rehoboam's report card. And it says this. It says, and he did evil because he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. It doesn't say he did evil because he set out to be a villain. Because one day he woke up and decided, I'm going to be the worst king. Because one day he woke up and said, there's time for an evil king. I am that king. Like, there's none of this. It just says he he didn't set his heart to seek the Lord. He wasn't intentional about what he sought. He wasn't intentional about what voices filled his heart. And so the voices that he heard were just the voices that were around and that were the loudest. And it took him the wrong way. And it sits here and says that that it derailed him. But I I have good news. I have hope. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 12, it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. It tells us that we can lay them aside. In Romans 12, It kind of lays out how. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It says that, that we can be transformed. All right. This bottle is you. Not that you're made of plastic, but just track with me here. This bottle is going to represent your heart. The air inside this bottle represents a lot of thoughts, a lot of Voices that shouldn't be what's filling you, but they are. And you decide, I don't want to be a selfish, greedy, lying, lustful, fill in the blank with whatever issue fits. And you're like, okay, I'm going to remove these things from my heart. Okay, what happened? I sucked a bit of air out. What's in it now? Air. So, Even when I try to pull these things out, I can't remove all of the air. And even if for a moment I remove all of the air, in just a moment again, it's full of air again. But watch this. Fill it back up here. No matter how many times I try to empty it, I can't get it to stay empty. But if I begin to pour in, I begin to tune into something different... I begin to fill up on something different, where's the air? It's gone now, not because I was like, I'm going to be so good, I'm going to be so good, I'm going to control every one of my actions, but because I changed what filled my heart. I begin to fill up on what was good, what was right. I began to set my ear, turn my ear to what God was saying. When I began to tune my ear to him, it began to drown out some of the other noise. It turned the voices that I had been listening to into the Charlie Brown, wah, wah, wah. And now I'm hearing a voice that's directing me in his way that's going to produce life and change in my life. And it changes us. See, Jesus said this, he says in Matthew 26, verse 41, he says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. All of us are listening. All of us are meditating. The question isn't, are we? The question is, what are we meditating on? What are we listening to? And some of you can look at me and go, this is what I'm meditating on. And you can like spit it out instantly. And others have no clue. If you have no clue what you're filling up on, you're filling up on whatever's happening around you. And you're just being filled by by all of that. That is not going to produce the fruit that you want to produce. He says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. He goes, tune your ears to God. He goes, if you will stop, he goes, your flesh is, um, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. He goes, but if you'll tune in, if you'll fill up on what God's saying, it's going to strengthen you. It's going to produce fruit. So what we're doing as a church, because we say, hey, we want to tune into God. We want to tune our ear into him. We are taking 21 days as we start the year to seek God, we call it pray first. And it's not a religious thing to check off your calendar and say, check it out. I participated. I'm good for the year. I served God. I did the deal with the church. But it is 21 days to tune out from some of the different voices that have been filling us and to go, God, I'm going to tune into you. God, I want to tune in to your voice. God, I want to tune in to what you're saying. And And to do that, there's a few things that we're doing. One of them mentioned in the uh, the VAs. It said that we're doing seven at seven. I'm not asking you to pray for 24 hours a day. If you can do that, props to you. You're better than me. Go for it. But for the rest of us, we're making it really simple this year. We're asking all of you to join us for a prayer from wherever you are at seven o'clock. 7 a.m., 7 p.m. If you've got a phone, set an alarm. You can set it for 6.55. And so you can be there. If, if you're driving at that point, just pray from there. But if you're um, somewhere that you can, we'll be leading a prayer online, on Facebook, on our church website. If you go to reslife.org, you can go in and you can click it and say, watch. And you can join us as we lead in prayer. Say, we're going to be united and we're going to tune into what he's saying. We're going to tune some things out. So, we're going to do what's called a, um, a Daniel fast. A Daniel fast is not named after me. It is named after the Daniel in the Bible. It comes from Daniel chapter 10. Now, there's a lot of ways that people do this, and there's not one that is all supreme. It comes from Daniel chapter 10, verse 2. As Daniel was seeking God, it says, in those days, um, he, was, he was in mourning and fasting for three, uh, for three weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for till these three weeks were fulfilled. The Hebrew where it says no pleasant food um, is no sweet or no pleasant bread. So we typically do that as no meat, no sweet, and no wheat. And he says no wine, so it'd be no wine or alcohol. But when when we lay this out— he said, God, I'm going to take some of these things, some of these voices, some of the demands of, of my flesh, and I'm going to shut them off. I'm going to tune them out and say, God, you're more important. I'm going to listen to you. And what we're doing is we're challenging you to join us in that. Now, whether you want to do a, a Daniel fast there, and you can find recipes, and you can find people doing it all sorts of different ways online, and that's cool. If you want to say, you know what, hey, I want to, I want to participate by fasting one meal a day. I wanna participate by cutting out junk food. I wanna participate by fasting from Facebook and all of its distractions or from CNN and the constant negative news or I wanna fast from, and you go through this whole list of different things that you go, these are voices that are taking up my time, that are filling my ears and I want to tune them out because I want to tune in to what God is doing, to what God is saying. Um, There's a lot of ways you can do it, but I wanna challenge you to pick to pick one, to do one, and to join us and to go, God, I'm gonna seek you for the, for the next 21 days. We're kicking it off this evening and we'll be, so the, we'll be on at seven o'clock tonight and then we're, we'll close off with a night and a celebration on the 26th in the ground floor. But, but as I look at this, it's amazing what God is gonna do. And I believe that when we do when we stop and we tune in, we're going to discover that God wants to meet with you more than you want to meet with him. As we begin to turn off some of these different noises, as we begin to pull out those earbuds, we're going to discover that God's been having a conversation with us that we didn't know about. The gist is I got in trouble for ignoring my wife because I didn't know we were having a conversation. Many of us have been ignoring the God. We wanted to speak to us because we just couldn't hear him over all the noise. And we're taking some time to tune in and say, God, I want to seek you first. I want your voice to be the voice that fills my heart. I'm going to tune into you, and I'm going to tune out of some of these distractions, and let this launch a tuned-in life with him. And as we, as, we, as we look about this God that loves you, that, that See, because I believe that if we do, I believe that if we tune into him, you're gonna discover that he's speaking. And I believe that if you discover that he's speaking and you begin to do what he says, you're gonna see his will done. And when you see his will done, his will is healing, his will is redemption. It says that he came to bring liberty to those that have been oppressed. He's gonna bring transformation in lives when we tune in to what he wants to do. Because what he wanted to do hasn't changed. But many of us, most of us, have gotten a bit distracted by the different noises that have been around. This is a time to tune in. But some of you may have never tuned in. Some of you have never stopped to listen to God. Some of you have never made him the Lord of your life. You've never received the love and the forgiveness that God offers. I have good news. You can do that today. God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. He wants to see your sins forgiven. He paid the highest price. And he wants to do a work in you. Can everyone grab the hand of the person next to you? Bow your head. If you're here, you say, you know what? I haven't made Jesus my Lord. I haven't tuned in, received the gift that he has for me. I haven't received the forgiveness. I don't know that I'm right with God on my way to heaven. If that's you, I wanna give you an opportunity to make Jesus your Lord right now, to tune in to what God has for you to receive. If that's you, I'm gonna to count to three. I'm gonna just ask you to squeeze the hand of the person that's sitting next to you. Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.